once again, everyone. Welcome to episode 59 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your host. I'm Trav. You know, I do the Nest Friend videos there on the old YouTube, and there's Alex over there. Snest drunken it. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Over where? Where am I? Who, who am I? What's what's going on? You're you're a you're a desert man out there in the desert. Got got an Ad, Admiral Stockdale thing going on here. Who am I? Oh. Where am I going? It's that that might be the stupidest, oldest, mustiest reference I'll ever make on here. It's so bad Stockdale. that I am currently googling it, as I do with many of your references. Um, he was he was Ross Perot's running mate. Uh, back, I think just in '92. Uh, when he ran for president, Phil Hartman did a great, uh, you know, Dana Carvey did Ross Perot and Phil Hartman did Admiral Stockdale. He was always just like seen as this buffoon that's just like wildly underqualified and had had no idea where he was or what he was doing. So that was always his his line. <laughs> Man, I just never underestimate your trivial knowledge, my dude. And we're already off, I would say, on a weird foot on this on this yeah, episode. And Admiral Stockdale politics. My God, hang on. I just didn't see it coming. I thought he was going to be a character from MASH, and then you, you hit me with, <laughs> with, no, this is a real man uh, that or was uh, portrayed Hogan's on... Heroes. Yeah, or, yeah, or Hogan's Heroes, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I hate to, to not take advantage of a really good intro, but um, I have a Soviet fighter video game uh, as, <laughs> as my, my yeah. NES friend that came out this week, so let's just jump right into it. MIG-29. I've never heard of this freaking game. Uh, it, I did not think it was a real game. Really? At first, I thought you just made something up and, uh, <laughs> you know, took footage from, like, an Amiga or something like that, some, like, homebrew Amiga game, and was like, yeah, I guess the original version of the game was written for ZX Spectrum by Richard Cheney, by Dick Cheney. I know, man, what a... <laughs> love. Well, see, I got my political joke in, too. <laughs> there you go. Man, cut from the same cloth, us guys. But yeah, man, what a what an interesting game. I think it impressed me, and it's one of those games that it, it impressed me because when I approach a lot of NES games I've never played before or don't even know what a screenshot of it would potentially look like, I just immediately su- assume it is ass. I say, this is yeah, going to be ass, just- and I brace myself, I sit in my chair, chug some beers, and I prepare for ass, and then I was so pleasantly surprised by this game, despite it being a little bit difficult, it has a lot going for it. If it just had some more continues built in, I think it ramps up real quick. Like, it goes from maybe a a, a B to an A-, minus. you know? I think it jumps up pretty high, but unfortunately, hmm. the difficulty, as is true in a lot of these old games, hold it back from being something truly special. But no, it's a really fun game. Is it long? Does it take forever to get... Uh, are you able to get to the last level or anything like that? Mm, or is it the difficulty spike so extreme that it's like turn the game off at that point yeah the difficulty is i mean i think if you played it and practiced it you would stand a pretty fair shot you're talking probably you know eight to ten hours of of practicing it and playing the first few levels over and over again to get good at it so it's like how how masochistic are you trying to get here um but it's only like uh, i can't even remember now uh, six stages i think and the stages are maybe two or three minutes a pop. So it's just a it's just a matter of mastering all of that. It's variable in terms of what it has you do. It, it has top-down shoot 'em up. It has not really third person, third plane view. You know what I mean? You're you're behind your, your yeah. fighter jet in the air. And then it has uh, like some weird boss battles that are going on and little mini games where you're landing the plane or where you're trying to fuel the plane. And it does it all seamlessly. There's no cuts. It just follows the plane into a different uh, view and, and comes back down. And so I thought that was really neat. It seemed like something that, uh, you know, th- a lot of folks weren't thinking about when they were programming games. You know, like Captain Skyhawk is one of those games that kind of does that. But, you know, it cuts yeah. between them pretty harshly to where it's like it's just basically multiple games little mini games but this makes it feel really seamless and i thought that was a really nice touch so it has that going for it uh but the problem is you only get three lives no continues and that's it so <laughs> there's no there's no yep. yeah there's no like uh you know keep trying it until you get it and it's if you die you start all the way back at the beginning so that's that's the kicker Oh, that's why you have save states. That's I know. Why you, uh, if you want to see the whole game, sometimes you gotta utilize them, them states, the sa- the saves of of states. That's right. Uh, what was I gonna say? The states of save. Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's obviously how people got to see footage of the of the later game on my video is because I was a uh, save stating around, yeah. and I I want to say there's I think I found a code that let me skip around too, but. Yeah, that's but, always helpful. But yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those games that I would use save states to practice it, maybe get better and see if I could beat it. Because I do think it's fun enough 
to warrant that. I had a good I had a good enough time with it where I could see myself putting some time into playing it just just for fun, not not necessarily for footage sake. But also, I think the game is interesting because this came out obviously post Cold War, but still, you know, in the early '90s where Russia was still the baddie and in a lot of ways and and villainized in pop culture. And so, having a video Ew. game where you are the Soviet fighter uh, release in the U.S. very yeah. very rare. That's pretty. Ch- I thought Gorby was our friend, though. I think so. Was, was I lied to all these years? No, he tore Gorby. he tore down that wall. Yeah, he, he got that thing. He uh, um, actually visited Minnesota, of all places. Wow. So it was like a huge deal. They sold t-shirts. It was all over the newspaper and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it was... Why would he pick Minnesota? I don't know, but... Got that mall. That's why I remember... <laughs> I remember... Uh, uh, no, this is before the mall. Hmm. So I'm not sure what uh, what he... Uh, what his objective was coming to good old Minnesota. But um, this game, though, Soviet Fighter uh, MiG-29, is only about $8.99, $8.89. Mm-hmm. Pretty affordable. For for uh, average price, loose. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It's it's rare that you come across a, a decent game, uh, especially like when you when you look at some of these pricing guides some of these sites you have to scroll like halfway down the page just to get to stuff that's like under 50 bucks yeah and even then you're looking at like freaking north and south mermaids of atlantis james bond jr <laughs> classics man just reading off the classics oh yeah so i i'm always shocked to see games like conquest of the crystal palace are only like 42 dollars. like i just on its face i would think that game would be like 300 bucks just because like nobody ever heard of it it's a really solid game really ambitious with like the store structure mm-hmm. and you have that one right yeah yeah that's a good one a lot of people have asked me to to cover it but i'm at the whim of the randomizer i don't listen to people i listen to fate God damn it. <laughs> so what what is the most valuable game you have? Or am I, mm. would I be spoiling your, your collection stream? You would be spoiling the collection stream, but I also don't know which one it is. I think it might be Cowboy Kid. <laughs> Cowboy Kid? Okay, I think that so. would make sense. Yeah, yeah. that one is... Uh, do, do you have uh, the, the box no, and book? Or, no, I'm definitely... Yeah, you're not a box and book guy. I, well, I'm not a box guy, but I do... I, there's an old, old man in the town over for me. Now, when I say old, old man, I'm not just saying like this is like a 55-year-old guy with a beer gut that knows how to do eBay. This guy has to be... He, he looks like a character out of the never-ending story, like just too old <laughs> to live, and that he came out of an old book, and um, he is in this record store. I've never seen the man stand up, so I don't know how things get brought into this place. I don't know who's organizing it. I don't know how he got there because I don't think he can drive. But you go into this old hole-in-the-wall place where there's records piled everywhere and, like, old hustlers and uh, (laughs) old this, old that. And uh, in the back, he's got, like, this bin of manuals for just about everything. When I first started going there, he had, you know, and when this was pre-Pandy, so the prices were you know, much more affordable. Um, now he's wisened up a little bit, but I used to go in there and I could walk out with a stack of like 30 NES manuals for like 40 bucks. And, wow. you know, you Mega Man stuff in there, like really good condition, you know, you know um, stuff that's a little obscure. Maybe the cart's going for a hundred bucks, but that manual still stayed cheap. Now he's gotten, he wises up to it a little bit. So, you know, there's some that are five and 10 bucks a piece. And um, I'm, it's just a book to me at that point. I'll take them for a dollar, but... You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not buying like Hemingway. These are just things to go with my games. So I get really picky about it. But um, I did pick up a ton there. So I have over I have a ton of manuals. I probably have, you know, 300 manuals, but uh, not very many boxes. So sorry to go off on a tangent sure. there. I love talking about the collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't tell. I wonder if he's got like some crazy old man. So he does have the Cowboy Kid manual. It's just he just wants like ten bucks for it or something. Oh no, like that. he doesn't have that one. He doesn't. Oh, but okay. um, I, if he did, I would have cleaned house. But I did pick up some some ones that were I can't remember them off the top of my head, but some that were pretty rare, but for for real cheap. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I actually went there last week for the first time since uh, since COVID. He's still extremely old, but very alive, which was refreshing. <laughs> it's still. Well, that's re- yeah, that is refreshing that he is somehow still old. I know. Against all odds, he is still old. If I'd have gone in there and he had gotten younger, the look on my face, <laughs> oh, oh, would have been something. Might as well be the brother of the guy on the cover of Phalanx. 
that that old that old uh, banjo player guy. That guy looks way healthier and in way more shape than my <laughs> guy, unfortunately. Nice. So my my video for this week is Sequest DSV, based off of the kind of hokey TV show that may or may not have completely ripped off Star Trek Next Generation, but just put it underwater. It's got the similar kind of vibe, similar uh, themes of like. You know, it takes place in the not too distant future where, you know, we're all doing things for the good of mankind. Uh, we're, we're taking on narrow uh, evildoers that are like dumping stuff into the ocean and blah, blah, blah. The game, uh, thankfully, is not any kind of hap- hop and bop platformer or anything like that. Otherwise, it would suck. Um, it does break down into a mission structure where you f- at first control this huge a ship that houses four other ships plus a probe and a talking dolphin it does not talk in the game unfortunately but uh uh, the dolphin's name is darwin and you use him uh to get through like these mazes to flick switches to open up doors elsewhere and stuff like that uh you could tell it's one of those things where it's like you can tell the people that worked on it actually gave a crap you know that this isn't phoned in you know like some stupid home improvement type thing or uh, you know Dennis the Menace or any any of that stuff is just just god awful. But um, this game has quite a bit going for it. I think uh, it's not any kind of HG, and I don't mean Hungry Gariah. I just don't want uh, just don't want uh, Metal Jesus lawyers after me again. Right, pounding at my door. But um, it is fine. It's a decent game. Some people will be really bored by it. But um, it's 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 qual it's fine and it does have some pretty crazy uh, uh, looking pre-rendered 3D sprites that uh, were a bit of a surprise as well. You know, it's one of those games that I needed I needed that SNES drunk commentary to talk me into it because even just looking at it, it was hard for me to fathom that this game was fun. But I kept hearing your words because it looked very slow and plotting. But you're you were talking it about slow, it, yeah, yeah and I. It sold me on it a little bit because it's one of those games I see all the time, and I don't pick it up because I didn't even know Sequest DSV. I don't. What does a DSV stand for? What is that all about? Deep Sea uh, Visions. I don't even remember. The D- D- Discovery Service. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not clever enough to come up with something funny. Deep Submergence Vehicle says says the Wikipedia. So yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. Sequest is the name of the ship. Uh, the main mm. ship so yeah so it's, uh, i never watched that i didn't uh, i didn't even realize that steven spielberg was an executive producer to it i never paid attention to it at all so that's incredible but i still knew that it was a licensed thing so i just assumed it was it was but so here we are 30 30 years later you're telling There's, me you're telling me it's good yeah it's not it's not uh, good might be a bit strong i think it's fine right uh the games that are like that that are similar to that that are ass are the star trek next generation games mm. uh those are not so good but um maybe pleasant surprise is a uh yeah there you go a dark horse in the licensed catalog there you go dark horse yeah like yeah dark water horse all right <laughs> um yeah, Roy Scheider was in there too. Yeah, and you say that Michael Iron. I love Michael Ironside though. Yeah, Michael Ironside came on for season three, I think. And yeah, he's he's one one of your all time that guys. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know his name, but you see his face, and it's like, oh yeah, he, the the guy from Starship Troopers, and he's also in uh, the first RoboCop. I can't remember what else he's in. But. Oh, he's in all kinds of shit. He's in Total Recall. Um, oh, Total Recall. That's what I'm thinking of. Not not RoboCop. It's Total Recall that he's in. He's also in a movie. Uh, he's in a couple movies that I saw recently, but one movie that I saw he, that he was in he, where he was sort of a uh, a main character uh, was Turbo Kid. That's a great movie. I think I've brought, I think I've mentioned that on this podcast. You have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. He's the main the main villain in that, and he's fantastic. Uh, but I saw him in a movie. I was watching some like old '80s thriller movie that. Oh, it was Scanners. Yeah, he's in Scanners. He's in Scan. Well, I think everybody's in Scanners. Isn't that one of those movies that has like Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts? Uh, or no, wait, no, Scanners. No, this I'm, is. I'm getting confused with uh, like Flatliners. I think. It was oh called. yeah, this is a, this is the old David Cronenberg flick. That's the Cronenberg thing. Okay, yeah. never mind. And Michael Ironside is the only person in there that I recognize by name, but um, he's great in there. He's, he's fantastic in there. So this is our Michael Ironside episode. Flatliners was uh, Joel Schumacher. And then we got, look at this cast. Kev- Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, mm. Julia Roberts, a Baldwin brother, Oliver Platt. Oh, a Baldwin brother. Wow, we. 
Guess which one? Uh, <laughs> Earl Potter. <laughs> no, I don't know. Tom, Tommy, Tommy Baldwin. Tommy, Tommy Baldwin. That sounds like a he'd be the pitch a pitcher for the Phillies or something. No, it's William Baldwin, the guy who uh, his face is always scrunched up and doesn't look like he can actually do any facial expression. I feel like but, you just uh, described the Baldwin. I don't know. That doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I got that confused with Scanners. Did they? Scanners is like 1981. That's an oldie. Yeah, it's an old. Yeah, I don't know why I got. I think it's just the NERS that uh, (laughs) it was. That's what what it was. Damn, got his ass on that NERS every time. (laughs) Every time. Uh, Yeah. So Sequest DSV better than you think. And and say that's the theme of of our week is we did some games that a little better than you would expect. So uh, that's how that's how you do the old underwater. I'm sorry, Soviets and underwater exploration. (laughs) Two two subjects that you're only going to find in 16 bit and 8 bit gaming. That's right. We went above ground and we went below ground. We weren't on the ground Mm. at all this week. And And you guys are welcome for those HGs there. Again, we cannot. We cannot say hidden uh, hidden thing there because uh, Metal Jesus's lawyers will sh- will show up permed. They all have perms and they are brutal. Yeah, they got uh, they already have their ties loosened, mm-hmm. uh, sleeves rolled up. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a deal. Yeah, it's, it's a hassle. Yeah, real sweethearts though. They just uh, they just really know how to <laughs> litigate. But for this episode, and, and in case you if you haven't caught on to all the vamping that we're doing, and maybe you read the title of the episode before you click play, uh, no guest this week. So we're just going to read through emails uh because you know even though a couple weeks ago i don't know a little while ago we complained and said uh well we didn't complain but we said we could use some more emails because we were running low and you guys delivered and now we have a few to get to or else in a few weeks none of the ones that we read will make sense so get a few out of the way here today uh we'll start off here with one that uh well kind of scary it's from a a sir real killer sir real killer so there you go. As opposed to Sir Fate Killer. Of, yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. And and to sound like Serial Killer, I think. But anyway, he says, Hi, drunk friends. Alex mentioned you were short on mail, so here goes. Happy holidays, guys. <laughs> That's classic. That's classic. <laughs> uh, and I guess ooh, next. Ho- I guess the next holiday would be my birthday. I'm going to count that as a holiday. So thank you. Your birthday uh, and Labor Day. Yeah. I think. I, I don't think there's anything in August. Well, just my but, birthday. Uh, yeah. Happy yeah. holidays as usual. Yes. Yes. Uh, he says he's a huge fan of the show. Been listening since it started, and thanks to the show, my YouTube and podcast libraries have expanded dramatically. I love the show. I love both your YouTube channels, and I plan my busy work and life schedule around watching, listening as soon as possible. I just want to stop there and say, thanks a lot, man. That's really cool. We, we really appreciate that. Yeah, big time. And uh, then he says, question, have either of you ever been approached in real life by somebody who recognized SNES drunk or NES friend? If so, tell us the story. Thanks for everything, guys. Sir Real Killer. And then he, he ends it with P.S. Trav, I don't know where you live. Relax. Which, and I'm so glad he, he said that. Um, but that makes me suspicious that uh, why why say that why even say it doesn't really put me at ease but yes and this is also an interesting question for someone named Sir Real Killer to ask anybody have you ever been approached in real life you know <laughs> I didn't think of that yeah so this guy it, he does murder no I, I I have not been approached thankfully um the closest I I came to something like that was um. Pearl, uh, she works uh, for the Disability Resources Center at a school. She takes notes for blind and deaf students and stuff like that. And one of the students that uh, she was working with, um, I don't know, it, it just managed to come up in conversation, blah, 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 SNES drunk. And he's like, your boyfriend is SNES drunk? <laughs> and Whoa. yeah, that was pretty funny. And that was like years ago. This was like three or four years ago. So... That's, this is this is you know pre six figure subscriber count, and this guy still was really excited to know that uh, he was uh, one degree of separation from me, which uh, I've always said if if you're that close to me, you should go to a doctor. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> get checked up, all that stuff. It's not good. No, I have not been approached. Uh, or uh, well, then again, it's it makes sense that we wouldn't because we're team no face. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm a, I plan on staying team no face. Sure, and I'm I'm team just a little bit of face, but not enough face to ever be recognized. But here's another thing that you we have working against us, you especially. You don't really put yourself in a position to be recognized, so it's not like you're, 
you're out there at the conventions and and all of that necessarily uh, where where people that watch your stuff would congregate and uh, and look for you. So well, even if I did that, like nobody knows what I look. Like. I mean, most people don't know what I look like. So I just I can just be some guy wandering around. And then maybe maybe if I talk loud enough, or if I go, oh gosh, if you do- look at all these people, ah, oh, there's so many inaccuracies and all this information I'm looking at, then maybe uh, people would come up to me and, and just to get me to shut up because I'm annoying, right? But uh, they also might recognize the nerd voice, and that's so, yeah. yes, I think that that would give it away, or maybe just a little bit of a yeah, no in there. Could, could also <laughs> yeah, sign- no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be your your bat signal. I don't expect to ever be. It would blow me away. What if someone did though? What if you were at a convention and someone would it? How would it make you feel? Would you be like, oh shit, or would it be cool? Would you be awkward? What would you do? Oh, it'd be super cool. Um, I, you know, want to talk to him, say like, hey, what did the channel help you find anything new? What, what, what did you like? Uh, is there any? Do you have a request of a game that you want to see on the channel? You know, all I'd, I'd pick their brain and yeah, see like why do you like the channel? <laughs> I think there is a bit of a know, misconception that uh, well, and, and there is, there is a misconception, but there's also like a correct conception uh, for certain folks that you know, like if I see them, I, you know, I don't want to bug them. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to uh, irritate them. But I, I, my opinion is, if they're wandering around a convention uh, for video games that they're at and they do <laughs> video game content. They probably won't mind if you say hi to them. I you know, would imagine so. Yeah. If you barge into their hotel room or like disturb them while they're <laughs> eating dinner at a restaurant somewhere else, that's different. Yeah, when I'm jamming a chicken sandwich into my mouth, you should leave me the hell alone for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I've seen you eat a chicken sandwich, and I would not. I wouldn't be two degrees separated from you on that. For sure. Uh, yeah. For sure. Might might want to up those degrees a bit. That sandwich is mine. That's right. That's right. But yeah, thank you, sir. Real good kill. question, though. Good, yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, I think it'd be cool. That's my, you know, one day maybe that'd be really cool. Next up, we have Jeff. You want to take Jeff's email here? Jeff says, "Hey guys, Jeff again. Just wanted to pick your brains and ask what are some features and games that you enjoy or strongly." So yeah, the way Jeff phrases this is kind of confusing. What are some features and games that you enjoy or strongly dislike that are underappreciated? So it's like. Wait a second. I, I enjoy them or dislike them, but they're still underappreciated either way. Maybe they're under talked about. Okay. Oh, okay. I, that that makes it that makes more sense to me. He says, uh, "I myself always enjoyed long cinematic story clips on select screens, along with idle character animations like Sonic tapping his foot." Something that I always disliked were the sound effects and background music selections because it came off as a lazy, quote-unquote, options filler. Hope to hear from you guys. Thanks, Jeff. Hmm. You know, he. I hate doing this because people always offer their own thoughts, and I try to think of something different, but uh, I do like when video game characters become impatient because, you know, Sonic is a good example, but also King Griffey will turn around and knock on the, the camera and be like, hey, kid, you know? Yeah. I like that. I do like that stuff. I think that that's... That's going the uh, the extra mile uh, unnecessarily, and I, I can appreciate that. It really gives off the impression that the people working on the game really, really cared and really enjoyed themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I, yeah, speaking of Griffey, I always go to sports games for these answers, but the most uh, under-talked about, underappreciated aspect is sports. Some of the sports games have some amazing music, soundtracks. Yes. Like, Foreman for real, like just the menu of that is like whoa, like blows the doors off your your thirteen uh, inch uh, JVC CRT speakers. <laughs> there, it's it's really good. And um, what's the other one? NBA Live '95 has like this crazy, yes. like death metal song at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it might be '96, but yeah, you, you open my eyes to that. I, that's on my rotation. I listen to that when I run. That thing bangs and the guitar sound on that one is is stunningly good i mean it's not like fm genesis you know level Mm -hmm. grindiness but it does sound good um there's a few more i always love the griffey the regular music and griffey's always been great um trying to think of a few more i always like the i think the uh ncaa basketball title theme is a real banger i like that one Mm -hmm. just sports music and sports games like it doesn't have to be good it doesn't have to even exist it's you're there to 
play sports games. You know, you're there to play basketball or baseball or whatever. But yeah, the music is is really strong in a lot of those games. But uh, as far as stuff, something I disliked that uh, isn't uh, played up a whole lot. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's usually stuff that uh, most people <laughs> don't like as it is, like forty five minute cutscenes. You know, like metal, stuff like Metal Gear Solid or Xeno, Xeno Saga, where you're just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And it's like, is is this a game or not? Like, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know other than that what, what I would pick. I guess like just uh, one thing that always grinds my gears is when a game does not utilize the whole controller. Yeah. Like you got these buttons right here. Why not make it easier instead of doing like hold up and and press y to do this it's like you got the l and r buttons right L&R, there buddy baby. use them yes yeah please use l and r oh too many games don't use l and r so that that always bugs me yeah you, you made a good point about uh music and sports games and i think to go off of that a little bit even if it is licensed music i often find that that music gets often repetitive but it's never to a point that I begin to despise the music or anything like that. At least not that doesn't seem like it was a common thing for me. But that happened a lot like in the in the modern Maddens and even to an extent a lot of like the oh, college sure, football yeah. games. Uh well you know, any of those sports games. I know and NASCAR I think was one of the earliest ones to have licensed music. I think they had um Molly Hatchet in one of the games from the nineties, you know, so you're riding around <laughs> on the track listening to flirting with disaster, which is honestly pretty oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah. I, I did not know that. That's perfect. You need to get some uh, 38 special in there. Exactly. Kansas. Yes. Or some, uh, yeah. But those end up <laughs> getting perfect. stuck in my head. And like I was saying, like a lot of times it's not really popular music. It might be like a band that had like one single and then they they got a song in Madden. And that song just lives forever for me because now anytime I hear it, I'm like, where, where the fuck did I hear that from? And it was probably yeah, in a yeah. video game, and I didn't even realize it. But uh, that happens a lot, and, and usually it's stuff that I can tolerate and, and adds to the game. Uh, but yeah, things that I strongly dislike that no one really talks about. Man, the again, I'm just going to steal from you. I think the utter, utter, uh, utter, the underutilization of buttons, specifically L and R on the Super Nintendo is obnoxious to me like what did you guys not did you when you're making the game did you not know that those two buttons were there at your disposal what were you thinking it it makes me think of the angry video game batman episode where he's going over batman uh return was it batman forever Mm -hmm. and you you have to do all this crazy shit just to do the most basic stuff it's like select an r to use the uh, grappling hook or something like that. Like, what are these fighting combos? Like, come on. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And it's like, uh, what about the X button, which is not used at all? <laughs> you yeah. ever think of that? No. It's like some some companies like apparently just wanted to try and reinvent the wheel. Like, well, what if we, you know, we don't want to be like uh, every other game. We want to do our own thing. And it's like, nobody wants that because... <laughs> Yeah. It's uh it's annoying. It's like when it, when an NES game flips the B and A buttons for for jumping and running on a platformer. Total sin. It's like listen, Mario, yeah, that's a cardinal sin. Mar- Mario, you know, it worked for a reason for Mario. Mm-hmm. So let's not let's not go crazy here. That's right. That is 100% right. Oh man. You know what another thing that grinds my gears uh when a <laughs> a text entry placed maybe for a name, maybe your name or whatever, only has like five slots for letters, and my oh yeah, and I'm like, man, come on, I, well, can't we have like ten? <laughs> you know, most names are less than ten. Like, come on. Or, or another thing that grinds my gears, I think this happens in uh, in Cybernator, is when uh, the the text scrolls really slowly during the story, and then uh, not only is it slow, but it's like inefficient because it'll say. Once we retake the base, we will help save the... And then you have to click or press A, Earth, on the next screen, and that's it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, 20 seconds of my life I'll never get back. Never getting it back, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I hate that kind of, like, inefficiency when it comes to text. I know a lot of that has to do with, like, uh, character size and, you know, translating from Japanese and that that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, that, that grinds my gears. Well, I think in modern games, they're just they're just getting better all the time. It's very rare that hmm. 
that I'm agitated by something. And I was thinking about Ghost of Tsushima, which I just finished and loved. And uh, I was like, man, I don't think there's anything about that game I didn't like. Now, of course, I'm very biased. I'm a huge fanboy of the game. I'm going to stand it for for life. It's when it's kind of like you know Mario sixty four when it was life. relevant. Yeah, full life when it was relevant. Like you know before the year 2000 like that window of time where everyone thought it was perfect and i thought it was perfect um and then now like years later people are starting to pick it apart a little bit and be like well you know you know take off the the glasses a little bit that's not all it was it was still great but you know there's some there's some things here that are a little less than clever Uh, i think that's going to happen like in 20 years somebody's going to release that ghost of tsushima retrospective and pick it apart i'm going to cry myself to sleep and be like (laughs) no you're wrong you didn't play it back in the day like i did yeah, by the way, uh, we should plug your appearance on the Classic Gaming Podcast, where you did talk up uh, Ghost of Tsushima quite yes. a bit. Yes, uh, And of course, we love uh, Rob and Jay on that podcast. Uh, so check that out. I think, what, do you remember what episode it was? Like episode 100,465, 100, because those guys have been doing that forever. Yeah, it was um, uh, episode, yeah, I think you're right, 1,259 was the episode that I... No, it was uh, okay. 164. It's called Ice Climbers, Final Fantasy V, and Shinmu. Final Fantasy V. <laughs> Once they get going on, on anything Final Fantasy, especially if it's a more tactics-oriented yeah. Final Fantasy V, like a more... Uh, uh, f- five has, like, jobs and, you know, uh, a lot of different characters and stuff like that. Both Rob and Jay, uh, I think the highlight of the podcast was uh, you going 45 straight minutes without saying a word. <laughs> yeah, man. I got I mowed my yard, and then I was like, you know what? I'll go ahead and mow my neighbor's yard. And then I made some iced Make tea, a... and then I got arrested, and my wife had to bail me out of jail. <laughs> and then I you know, uh, finally, I got back just in time to hear him be like, so those were my thoughts on Final Fantasy V. And then we carried on. So I didn't even feel it go by, but a lot happened. It's always uh it's always hilarious to hear people talk about uh being on that show because it really is like uh-oh this game uh Rob's going off on Kingdom Hearts again uh <laughs> time to take a shower make a sandwich uh yeah, yeah. you get to uh, <laughs> mow the lawn it's like god damn I really could mow the lawn it takes me like less than 10 minutes to do that my my quote unquote lawn out here Yeah your desert so. yard I'm sure it sucks to mow that I, I might I might actually try and do that just to see if I can pull it off. <laughs> but no, it was a lot of fun. Um, and Rob, of course, if you're a listener of the show, you might remember that Rob is a huge uh, Counting Crows fan, and he's very bad at King Griffey Jr. Baseball. He's not listening to, to this. He's listening to, to, to round here. <laughs> that is right. He loves Always it. wake up late. He loves Something it. like that. But yeah, either that or he's getting his ass kicked in Griffey. Yeah, that's probably what he's doing. All right, next up here we have an email from Zach. And this one was a bit of a Berenstain Bears for Alex and I because either we've had this exact mm. conversation that Zach emailed us about or Zach is emailing us in response to this conversation that we had. We don't know, but we're going to read it here again because either Zach lives in our heads or we've time traveled. He says, hey, guys, longtime listener, first time sending in a question. Well, more of a request, but whatever. I was watching some old WCW on Twitch when Raven came out and started doing one of his What About Me? What About Raven promos? And, and honestly, Alex, you could probably do that better than me because I don't really remember how he says it. I don't really know, remember either. I just remember uh, uh, he didn't really talk that much. And in, in, By the way, you, you mispronounced WCW. It's WCW. Oh, WCW. Just like WCW, just like how Dusty Rhodes used to say it. Right. Sorry about that. But yeah, he, he, what about me? What about Raven? Is He always made sure to make it kind of whiny. Okay, perfect. Just to get the most heat. Okay. And he says, uh, I had just finished re-listening to the Hungry Gorilla episode, so my brain suddenly combined WCW and Alex's obnoxious nerd voice and gave me, what about me? What about Glavin? What about me? What about Glavin Flavin? Why? Yes, Professor Frink <laughs> meets, well, actually, guy... What a superhero that would be. Well, actually, if you forget about me, I'm asking what about me. What about Glavin? (laughs) (laughs) There you go, Zach. Like I said, the only way I'm getting recognized since I'm Team No-Face is if I start, oh boy, oh gosh, if I start just shouting that in the middle of a convention or something. Please do, though. Please let that be your calling <laughs> that card. That will be for... the siren. That will be the siren song. That will be like uh, when when you hear Colossus in the distance for the X Men arcade game. Yeah. It's like oh shit, this game's here. 
It's just like when you hear me say, Laven, Glaven, Laven. It's, uh, oh shit, Snestrunk's here. That's right. And so, not to. So there you go. And at MAGFest, everyone doing the Colossus Roar is a thing. Uh, it's terribly yeah. obnoxious. Everybody does it. Uh, but I would love if everyone just flipped it into a to a loud collective glaven. I think that would be... <laughs> collective glaven. Collective glaven yeah. would be incredible. So, I like it. There you go, uh, Zach. I, I, think, I think Alex nailed it. He says, uh, needless to say, coffee hurts coming out of one's nose. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I was hoping I could ask Alex to do the what about glaven line sometime. And there he did it. And uh, he says, thanks for keeping me company on long walks and before bed. I look forward to the podcast and videos from your respective and respectable channels every week. Love y'all. Zach. And thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Nice email. What about Glavin? Nice email, unlike these other emails. What about what about us? What about me? What about Glavin? What about Glavin yeah. though? What would how would you even answer that? What a, what about it? What about the Glavin? Uh, uh you know, you're asking the real deep questions. I feel I feel like I need uh, to smoke a couple doobies if I really want to get into the logistics of that one. Hi, this is Michelle from PD's Power Hour, a podcast where you can find cool gaming content creators and or gaming enthusiasts discuss all things alcohol. Check it out if you're interested in learning more about what's in your glass and the process that got it there. Available everywhere podcasts are heard and on polymedianetwork.com. Drink well, my friends. Bye. We do have a next another email this time from uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Steve Carlton. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he is still alive. We looked it up. I think he's uh, 76 years old. He used to play for the Phillies. I think he's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. No, it's not actually Steve Carlton. It's some other guy. I was going to say, yeah. Happens to be Steve Carlton. Could have died in the middle right, of writing I'll... this long email, but it seems like he made it all the way through. <laughs> it's a long, long email. He says, uh, hey, Trav and Alex, longtime listener here, hunkered down in my bedroom, hiding from the Seattle heat wave. Otherwise, happy to write in and let you all know what fun it's been listening to the show. Thanks. I first heard about it on... Twitter around April of 2020 and being familiar with Alex's channel since about 2015, decided to check it out and have enjoyed ever since. Thanks. Love the format and the guests you have uh, you feature have introduced me to really great content creators. We got Travis, we got Riggs, we got HG, we got Pam, Dan Hess, etc. Mm-hmm. So thank you. That said, even episodes without guests I find interesting as I find the tangents entertaining, natural, and fully welcome. This episode's for you, Steve. <laughs> Let <laughs> that uh, may uh, the chickens are coming home to roost on that one. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they often shake loose thoughts or experiences from when I was a kid growing up in San Jose. Oh, in the eighties and nineties, and that's been really fun to think about. So, with time to kill, I thought I'd send you guys a message, share some of those memories, and perhaps introduce you to some new content that may or may not interest you. All right, I'll do. I'm going to do the next one too. I'll pick it up from here, man. You you take a okay. seat on the bench with the rest of Steve Carlton's team. Uh, He says, for example, despite growing up in those decades, I acquired only a passing familiarity with wrestling. I had a friend who was into it, and we watched the Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant match at a sleepover. We watched it on what I remember to be a huge 50-inch wood-paneled rear-projection CRT television. It was so rare to see TVs of that size in someone's house. I remember that instead of glass, the screen was dark, semi-transparent fabric. That match, uh, I know, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but uh, when Hogan and Andre fought for the first time at WrestleMania three, um, I was too young. I wasn't really that into wrestling yet, but my brother was in grade school, and after they let, read the the lunch menu in the morning announcements in grade school, they the principal said, and finally last night in Pontiac, Michigan, Hulk Hogan defeated Andre the Giant to retain the WWF title and you could hear my brother said you could hear like the cheers from across the school <laughs> when he announced that it's like man wrestling will never be that popular again yeah. like that was just on a whole other level at that point but yeah yeah when it permeates the the school bulletin it's huge. <laughs> yeah. He says, uh, the next morning, after he saw this match on this giant television, the next morning, I must have mentioned the match to my parents or something, because for my next birthday, I received a wrestling buddy of Macho Man Randy Savage. As it was a stuffed toy of an adult man wearing nothing but boots, sunglasses, <laughs> a crown, and a purple Speedo that had Macho King printed on the butt, I wasn't entirely sure what to do with it. Was this my parents <laughs> telling me and my brother to beat up this instead of each other? <laughs> Do I bring this next time I go over to my friend's house so they could wrestle? 
Bottom line, in retrospect, wrestling buddies are just another weird 90s toy, in my opinion. Yeah, me and my brother each had one. I had Ultimate Warrior, he had Hulk Hogan. And uh, yeah, they in retrospect, they are weird. But I was one of those dumb kids where we had this really cheap, crappy futon in our basement that it couldn't be more of a piece of crap. It was like foam. There, was, there were no... Uh, uh springs or anything in it uh it was just you know something needs to find out the goodwill for like eight bucks but i would i would climb on top of it and do like big elbow drops on ultimate warrior and like practice other wrestling moves and stuff like that and all on on that thing and uh yeah that was that was basically the whole point was to like do do elbow drops on it i think that's pretty much all i did yeah pretty much i mean i i never really had a wrestling buddy fake or real occasionally <laughs> would punch up you know i had like the a cushion on the couch i would toss around a little bit maybe pretend there was a dude there but my buddy uh josh uh, that i grew up with he had a sister that was a few years younger than him and that poor girl got put in so many wrestling moves man i felt bad for her but uh, at the time it was like can can you pull it off so we'd be like on the phone watching like wrestling because we used to call each other during like nitro and raw and just watch it while on the phone. You just hear us like breathing, like, "Oh, that was cool, man." <sighs> oh, here comes Booker T. He's got a chair. Like we just talking to each other. And uh, sometimes he would see like a move, and then I'd hear him be like, "Stacy, come here. Let me try this out." And you'd hear her be like, "No, don't want to." But he would still be like, "Man, you know what? A figure four is hard. It might be just because <laughs> she's fighting it." But I'm like, "Yeah, probably that." But yeah, she's got to be very limber now. We'll say I'm happy to say she's still alive. She's she's in, uh, <laughs> you know had a had a great uh, adulthood. So she she didn't suffer from it. But um, I learned that the this the sharpshooter is pretty easy to do. Uh, figure four a little less. Oh, so. I was gonna say the opposite. I remember trying to put uh, my friend Nick in the sharpshooter. Yeah. When I was a kid, and I couldn't turn him over. Oh, like I man. couldn't. Uh, you know how you like get the legs crossed uh, over your leg, and then you kind of like flip them. Yeah. Uh, onto his stomach, like I didn't understand how that worked. So ah, well, yeah, yeah, I could never pull it off. You're a better wrestler than me. Well, I I didn't do it. I just heard it happen over the phone. So, oh, yeah, okay. I just have to All assume right, gotcha. that it was form perfect, and it was it was on the money. But I think she 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 touched the rope and got in, and got out of it. Oh, okay. Ref broke it up. Yeah, okay. yeah. Either that or his dad got really upset because he kept putting his sister in wrestling moves. But was it one of those situations where you remember back in the day uh, where they would just keep ringing the bell? Yes. And like uh, referees are just helpless and like they, they have their hands on their heads, like what do I do? And the the bell keeps ringing. Yeah. And then it just like, then it fades yeah. out, you know. And then Wings comes on, and you're like, I don't want to watch fucking Wings. Yeah. Then it fades out, and you got you got to tune in next week. I don't want to watch Wings. I wanted to watch the rest of this. <laughs> Oh, that always happened. I am next because uh, this is yeah multi-paragraph. It wasn't until 2015 that I was introduced to the behind-the-scenes details of wrestling through listening to another podcast I, I enjoy. The episode details the events of the Montreal Screwjob. And uh, for those that don't know, this that was the infamous uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels situation where Bret was the champion, uh, but he, he was on his way out of the company. Uh, and Vince McMahon, the guy who like arranges all the matches, was like, "You're gonna drop the belt to Shawn Michaels in Montreal." And Brett was like, "No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna cooperate." Uh, you know, I guess he had his reasons or whatever. It's in my contract. You can't make me do it. So Vince was like, "Well, now I now I don't know what the hell to do." And he basically told Shawn Michaels behind the backstage, like make sure to put Brett in the sharpshooter and then I'm going to come down. I'm going to ring the bell. We're going to get the hell out of there. So it, we're going to try and make it look legit to the fans, but everybody knew what was going on. Everybody knew it was like this chaotic situation. Anyway, whole other tangent. It's one of the most fascinating things that's, that's happened for sure. In, yeah. Uh, in wrestling, but Big um, drama. yeah, Steve Carlton goes on to say, uh, through through listening, I gained a new appreciation for wrestling and the athletes and entertainers who do it. Highly entertaining listen. I'd be interested to hear your opinions on any, if I, if any. And yeah, I remember um, we all knew this was 97, so I would have been 15 years old. I, I was getting back into wrestling at that point. I, was, I had taken a break, but I was far from the point of like ordering pay-per-views. So I did the whole scramble vision thing to see what was going to what was going to happen because I knew shit was going down. Nobody knew it was going to happen. It was crazy. So I put uh, the T. This is I did the trick where you put the TV on either channel two or channel four and then you put the cable box 
on like channel 57 or something like that and you can kind of see what's going on and at the time uh we had aol and aol had their own uh wwf section part of which was called the informer section which is where you talked about you know the dirt sheets as as they're referred to with like dave Meltzer and all the the backstage stuff as the emailer says um and there was a thread on that i remember just refresh 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 like what happened anything happened yet anything happened yet and then when that shit went down everybody lost their mind like like what did what just happened what does this mean Mm -hmm. what what happened and then we we get to the point where brett does the wcw he spells it out with his finger to the to the hard camera and to the crowd and everybody nobody knew he was actually going to leave right. to WCW like we thought this was like oh he'll he'll this will go to a no contest and then maybe he'll wrestle Undertaker or something like that for the for the title or you know but the fact that it went down as it did was was like unheard of and just absolutely crazy like nobody had ever seen anything like something like that and especially considering it was especially shocking considering brett and vince's relationship like they they've worked together and known each other for Mm -hmm. uh what 15 years up to that point yeah and brett was champion he was a proven draw he made a lot of money for vince and well respected too i mean everybody respected the dude so it was seemed like a an extra bit of like you did that to brett kind of thing oh yeah and it, uh the backs uh, certain folks backstage were so pissed uh mick foley in particular did not even go to raw the next day he just stayed in his hotel he's like i cannot believe you did that to, to brett i think it's bullshit i'm not even gonna show up to work today yeah that whole thing really um not at the not in the moment because in the moment it was it was too much drama for me to really i was what uh, 97 i was like 12 13 I was caught up in like the 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 kayfabe and didn't think about anything outside of what I saw on television when it came to wrestling, but it later kind of solidified in my mind that these championships, uh, while a lot of it is scripted, it actually means something to these guys to to be a part yeah. of that and get those things. And uh, even that that's still a little bit weird to me <laughs> to like wrap my head around <laughs> yeah. that, but it is important yeah. to them. It's it's their legacy as performers, and so. Yeah, I think that, that that's an interesting snapshot into how important it is for these guys to, you know, th- there's a lot that goes into it. And they're not they're not all just actors in a, a season of a show. There's a, a lot. There is some yeah, competition yeah. underlining all of it. Well, Brett took that more seriously than anybody. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think anybody would, uh, would would agree with that. But yeah, that has been a thing uh, over the years, even after that. Uh, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I remember talking him talking about the pressure involved with being WWF champion because he you know he was main event every night every match had to be a certain quality every match had to be at least 20 minutes you know yeah. you had to like work in new stuff he said the pressure was unreal and that eventually led to his overdose yeah. uh, because he was taking so many painkillers and and stuff like that but um but yeah going back to the montreal screwjob that was kind of you you say that you weren't aware of like the peripheral backstage stuff that was really like the first thing that made people aware of like kayfabe went up in flames when when that happened you're right because vince actually had to come out on tv the next week and be like that's when he gave the infamous brett screwed brett (laughs) <laughs> I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Like he gave that speech, <laughs> yeah. which was just laughably stupid. Well received. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that I mean, kayfabe was was never the same after that. It was it was unheard of. It was shocking. It was crazy. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we still have this email to read. Heck yeah. <laughs> Radio Lab also has a great episode that recounts the 2016 NHL All Star Game and John Scott's unlikely path to participate in it. Here's another thing I feel like I need to <laughs> provide context Please to. Please do, actually. John, I, I don't know. Any, I, I was familiar with Montreal Screwjob, but this, I have no idea. Uh, John Scott sounds like a, a made-up name for a Disney hero. <laughs> well, he, I, if I remember correctly, he was like a fourth-line guy who, uh, by all accounts, was a great dude. But he he was kind of just a goon. He was like just a yeah, he's six foot eight, just a big dude who skates in circles and hits people. Basically, he was not a goal scorer. In fact, I'd be curious to find out how many goals he scored in his career. It can't have been yeah, he only scored. Uh, 
in 286 games played, he only scored five goals. Whoa. So he, he was a, uh, uh, a role player, as they say. <laughs> He's just a big dude. But the thing is, is that he, he was just real likable. You know, he played for a lot of teams. He had a long career. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> but so it was kind of like, wait a second. I, I think it was kind of like, wait a second. What's John Scott, of all people, doing on the All-Star Game ballot? Let's get him in the game. In fact, let's get him as a starter oh and uh so it just kind of built momentum and it, it became it started as a joke but then john scott started tweeting and putting on stuff on instagram about like, how meaningful it was for him i was like wow if I, if I actually get in the all-star game like that would be amazing i could take my family and it ended up being like a really cool uh thing that uh many people recall fondly i can't believe it was five years ago which is crazy to me but yeah, does that make sense though? It he does. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's it's a little bit of a, a a meme getting flipped on its head to where it goes from meme yeah. to charity, and uh, then you're really happy yeah. for the guy. And I was looking up at his career; it looks like he just he uh, maybe retired at the end of that, or maybe the next year. He was like, "I've done it. I did it. I'm out." Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he played a yeah for Montreal. He played a whopping one game, but yeah, I guess he was just <laughs> this is the peak. But um, Good for him. anyway, the email goes on to say. Uh, hockey is another cultural blind spot of mine, and were a gun to my head, could I could only name two players other than Scott, <laughs> Pat Falloon and Wayne Gretzky. Pat Falloon? That's an odd name. I guess he is from San Jose. But, uh, yeah, that's an odd choice. But, yeah, Gretzky, forgetting about Lemieux, forgetting about Ulf Dahlin. Uh, what are some other famous... Oh, shit, here we Ulf's, go. Here we go. Ulf Samuelson. You got uh, Glenn Anderson going back to the old uh, Edmonton Oils. I'll, I'll stop now. Pucks Rodriguez, Sticks Coldfoot. Uh, <laughs> Sticks Coldfoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, regardless of one's opinion on hockey, it's a great underdog story. Okay, that's enough rambling for now. Thanks for all the hard work you put into the show and many other projects. Have a nice day, Steve. Steve Carlton. Thank you, Steve Carlton. Great email. Really appreciate it. I'm, I actually want to listen to this podcast. He never pointed out what podcast it was. I'm sure what it's, wrestling podcast yeah, for the screw job? Yeah, I'd like to hit yeah, he, it's something that's more like a, a high quality documentary type listen on it, not just not just a couple assholes like us talking about it, but if some if somebody were to chronicle it in some heavy detail, I think that'd be interesting. I'd listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely noped out of wrestling uh several years ago, so I don't follow any of the thing, including podcasts. So Steve, write us back. What's 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 the podcast? Let us know. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, last email of the day. Here's another girthy one for everyone. This is from Mike. He says, "Is it frothy? Oh, it's frothy. Yeah. Oh, bubbly yeah. on the top." He says, "Hi, drunk friends. You guys seem to enjoy getting fan mail, so I figured I'd say hi and show my support for the show. I've been watching SNES Drunk for ages, and I just recently became a patron. There you go. Hey, thanks." He says, "That's when I discovered the podcast. You posting this on your Patreon? That's very cool." Yeah, of course. Oh, great. He says, I think Alex has mentioned it once or twice on his channel, but he does a good job of not beating people over the head with his side projects. I'm so glad I started listening to the podcast because I'm a huge fan of Nest Friend now as well. Already binge-watched most of your videos, Trav. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. See, that's why you need to get going on more videos, because when people binge-watch, it's not just... 80 90 videos it's now you're looking at 800 900 <laughs> i think actually i think i recognize mike's name here because i've seen a lot of comments from a certain mike uh come through on the video so i do appreciate that mike i appreciate all the comments oh, right and uh you watching all the stuff man really that's that's awesome uh he goes on to say i gotta say i'm so jealous that you guys get to talk to all these cool people about games i can talk to my friends about retro games for about 30 seconds before their eyes glaze over for me the best part about your podcast is discovering all these creators i had never heard of before i recently listened to the episode where you interview the renaissance and i think you'll be happy to hear that i immediately went online and bought one of his prints that's awesome oh that's awesome that is awesome yeah that is super cool uh it's a reimagining of death's peak from chrono trigger and it's going to look oh. awesome in my game room and i bet it does that's perfect yeah that's a great idea by the way death's peak i that, that one never occurred to me for and it would be a perfect uh subject for someone that does landscapes like the renaissance so yeah. that's real cool yeah dude the renaissance's stuff is so great i mean the dude he yeah. has this ability to make uh i can't remember which which game it was maybe it was king's quest five i don't know there's just one tree in there that just transports me to another land when i see it it's it's so well huh. so well done 
Very good. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, one thing you guys talk about on the show is wanting to try new things with your YouTube channels, but you're sometimes afraid it won't be well received. I just wanted to say that I really enjoy when you guys branch out a little. Maybe those videos don't get the most views, but I appreciate that you are trying something a little different, even if they don't turn out exactly like you had imagined. The worst thing you can do is pump out the same sort of videos month after month until you either get burnout or bored. Well, my lunch break is over. I should probably get back to work. Oh, I almost forgot. You guys love mean comments. So here's one. I recommend listening to this podcast before bed because it'll put you right to sleep. Right on, <laughs> Mike. Right on, Mike. Uh, well, right on, Mike. Hopefully, uh, if you're not into wrestling or hockey, you might already be asleep by the time you get to <laughs> hear your own email. That was a lot on the, the Montreal Screwjob. I just realized I talked like for like eight interrupted minutes about... 1997 WWF, buddy. It was riveting stuff. Honestly, I think it is. I, you know, <laughs> I. It's it's the most controversial thing that's ever happened in that industry for sure. I think so. so yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had to pick one thing, it's got to be that. I don't know what what second place would even be. Probably Vince buying WCW. That was insane. That's a good point. I I like hearing about the old wrestling now. I think for a long time I wanted to just be. I got too involved with it as a kid, and it, a bit there was a bit of a. I think a stigma associated with it at some point in my life. Sure. <laughs> and then now coming back to it, it's like going back and watching like old Ninja Turtles cartoons. Like it's just kind of a warm feeling. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I now I'm a little bit more interest, interested in the the big moments and the big historical bits that maybe I missed as a kid because I couldn't watch it all as a kid. There's so much of it. So um, yeah, I'd like to go whatever podcast Steve was talking about. I hope they chronicle more stuff because I'd like to give that a listen and, and maybe get into it a little bit more. But talking about uh, Mike's email here when he says maybe try some things that are, you know, branch out a little bit. And um, I don't know what I mean. I know you've had a little bit a little bit of fun for your April Fool's. Uh, you do occasionally like list videos. Of course, you've gone off the um the Thursday releases where you covered some things that weren't Super Nintendo. Uh, so I don't know what what does that look like for you. What's the most what's a, what's a SNES drunk branch out look like at this point? Probably the uh, videos that uh, I can't remember how I came up with the idea. I think it was somebody in my in my Discord uh, a few years ago. Um, was talking about like these Amiga games or these uh, Atari ST games. And this was like all new territory for me. And uh, I had no idea what any of this stuff was. And then I, I remember reading, um, what is that book called? Oh, it's called uh, Replay by uh, Tristan Donovan is the author. And he, it's a great book if you want to learn about um, video game history, not just in America, but across Europe. And, you know, he talks a little bit about Australia, um, Jap Japan, of course. And um, he covers uh, some really interesting stuff that I had no idea about, like uh, how s just every country, every region in Europe had their own, put their own flavor on, uh, on, on the gaming industry. Like in Spain, you would see more text adventure stuff. I, I, don't, I don't remember off the top of my head what the actual cultural things were, but like, remember in, in France, you'd see a lot of like mystery stuff, a lot of like adult themes. It's... Uh, creators there were, were very uh, uh, they didn't want to make hop and bop platformers like Mario they wanted to make like serious games for adults and stuff like mm -hmm. that so I thought that was really interesting and it led me to find games uh, like this game called Captain Blood which was maybe the weirdest freaking game I've ever seen in my life where you have to like learn this language to inf infiltrate in with this alien race so you can find these five magical stones or whatever and then get out of there but that that was like I can't just do a video on this. That would be kind of boring, kind of weird. Uh, I don't even know what else to say about it other than the you know the ninety second bit I've got written. So I was like, what if I just like made a collection of these mm -hmm. and uh, from all sorts of different systems? And I ended up calling it uh, "Good Games in Unexpected Places." Um, talking about stuff on Virtual Boy, on Panasonic 3DO, and it ended up giving me an excuse to. Uh, dive into some game libraries that i otherwise wouldn't like the cdi has a couple you know they're not great games i wouldn't even call them good games but they are interesting yes there's something totally different that's for sure i mean pete door talks about that all the time where he's like there's so much janky treasure in there that it's worth you know it's <laughs> it's never going to be the best game you've ever played but it's still worth experiencing you know i think there's a sure yeah i think that you know a lot about like the 3do and the cdi is an easy one to point to and and to an extent even some consoles that i i'm a little bit 
uh, unfamiliar with the full library of like even the Sega CD like a lot of off the beaten path adventure and FMV stuff that I normally wouldn't go near there's probably something in there that would entertain me I just need to need an excuse to dig in and a video project like you're talking about would would provide that excuse yeah for sure um I my favorite stuff is uh um uh, Sega Master System has some really good games like the Sonic the Sonic 1 on Master System is pretty damn good mm. um, there's also the Disney did a hell of a job with um, all their games back in the day and Sega Master System included I think it's called the Lucky Dime Caper with Donald Duck that game's awesome yeah. like it looks freaking great like the sprite animation super fluid and all that sort of stuff so yeah, and then and then there's even stuff on uh, like Neo Geo Pocket Color, uh, Game Gear. Like I, 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 those are the most fun videos for me to do. Really, it's uh, it's just a matter of like finding stuff that I'm interested in that I want to talk about. So yeah, so yeah, that's. Are you you ever gonna do something like that? Uh, I think when I think of something off the beaten path, I mean I've done like my box art goofs and uh, yeah. the, the little. Can you guess what your, what Famicom or what NES game this Famicom box art is and stuff like that? That's fun. They're pretty easy to put together, and I think that's what's fun. But I I do want to do something more challenging at some point, and. Lately, I've been inspired by our upcoming guest. I'm not going to say who it is, but we have a guest coming up uh, on mm. an episode soon. But I was like, I kind of, you know, this short form thing that you and I do is nice because it keeps you, you know, you could stay on a schedule and it keeps everything kind of within a, a certain perspective. Everything's kind of bite sized. But I've always wanted to do something a little bit more in depth just once. Not make a habit of it, mm-hmm. not make a whole channel dedicated to it, but do something a little more documentary type. In it, it might not even be for Nest Friend, but I do want to do something that is video documentary based on some topic. Doesn't even have to be gaming related, but uh, I think that that is something that would bring me a lot of joy. I think it'd be very fun to navigate that and put it together. It'd be a lot of work. I don't have time to do it. It'll never get done. But it is an alluring idea, and I've always wanted to yeah. try it. So maybe one day. You're, you're talking true crime, aren't you? You're, you're going to do a, a <laughs> deep dive on like a, a case, a, a cold case from 1975 or something like that. Or... You know, as much as I love true crime, I don't yeah. feel like I am equipped to talk about it with any... Mm amount I, I don't think i would give it the right amount of respect i'm too goofy i want to throw a joke in there or i'll mispronounce something important yeah, i don't know do i don't trust myself around true crime but yeah maybe something where i can flex the funny muscle a little bit but sure. but a documentary nonetheless i just think that'd be fun to do i don't know what about or what of or when or how or a mockumentary even how fun would that be one day. Who knows? Maybe you might uh, find a, a manual at uh, that mm, old guy's place. Yeah. And then, uh, you, you know, you find out a lot more about a certain game than you originally realized. And then uh, it's like, oh, well, there shouldn't just be a Nest Friend video on this. What if I, you know, did this whole, you know, spiel about uh, the history of this game, the development history? You could try and track down the, uh, the people that worked on the game, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or just even the quest to find it in Cecil's shop. Old Cecil, he's 192 years <laughs> old. Cecil. Named Cecil. He's got, honestly, his stack of hustlers is imposing. And it was very close <laughs> to the manuals. And sure, I peeked, few, few, I peeked through a few of them. I'm losing my words. The classics. I got so excited. Classic stuff in there. Good advertisements. A lot of good write-ups I found. So the hustlers <laughs> are... Are in good shape. In good shape. Uh, that's pretty funny. That would be uh, the like over half the documentaries just me sitting there thumbing through those. Just no con, no uh, no voiceover, no, no narration. Then it just comes You're back. Just sitting yeah. there. Sorry, folks. Anyway, what we're talking about? Oh yeah, this manual. Rivet- so anyway, riveting, riveting stuff. <laughs> oh, they were from the seventies. They're weird. So uh, I think that's going to do it. We did a lot of we did a lot of emails. Thanks everyone for those emails. Don't stop sending them. Yeah, thanks so much, folks. Yeah, we love getting them. We love reading them, and uh, you know we we share them here. We like talking about them. We like answering your questions, and uh, really good questions. So fun fun times. So that's going to do it. I think we're going to come in here at uh, about an hour, and we'll come back. Hopefully next week with a with a guest in a normal episode. I guess I could pull up a sheet and do the proper sign off. How about that? You could, you could actually read what you've written. Yeah, 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 I could do that. Let me see here. Uh, all right, everyone. That's been another <laughs> Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, please head over to the polymedianetwork.com. If you want to hear more podcasts from our crew, we have Tales of the Lesser Medium, Petey's Power Hour, 
Polykill, IndieQuest, and maybe more one day. Who knows? And it sounds like lots of you are interested in sending emails, and you can do that uh, by sending us an email. You already said that to DrunkFredPodcast yeah. at Gmail. Uh, uh, you can also give us a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. Big time. You can find us on social media. I'm at Trav Plays Games. Alex, he's over there at SNES Drunk. And as always, the music you heard at the beginning and can hear right now was composed by our friend Cool Lore. The track you hear is called Electric Starbonce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. Shout out to the Josh Leslie for our thirst quench, thirst quenching logo. God, I can never say that. <laughs> that is the worst pair of sentences to ever read on air, period. They're perfectly awful for a tongue. Uh, be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll be right back.